Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping to turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we are giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. Listen, friends, don't delay. Accept Jesus today. Hallelujah. Remember when, um, if you're familiar with Bible stories, Uh, there was this man named Saul and he encountered Jesus and Jesus said, man, it's hard for you to kick against me, isn't it? Well, you know, friend, if you're going to be honest, you've been fighting against the Lord and you know what? You're getting tired. Okay. You're, You're getting weary trying to resist him. Listen, just give in friend. You can't resist him. He's irresistible. And you know what? He's not condemning you. He's rescuing you. Hallelujah. Trust him, friend. And listen, maybe... Maybe you don't know him enough to trust him. Trust me. Listen, he's my best friend. Jesus is the best thing that I have ever done to yield my life to him, to totally give up, as it were, to surrender, to allow him to arrest my heart. It's the best thing I've ever done. Do it today, friend. Don't delay. Hallelujah. And for the rest of you that are continuing to grow in him, we've got some more stuff that I think will help you and encourage you today. Now, we've been in a little bit of a, like a little mini-series Uh, I've been talking about the power of imagination. And uh, if you've been tuning in to the podcast over over the last several weeks, I pray you have been. If you haven't, go back into the archives. Hundreds of episodes. Come on, somebody. Or over 100, I should should say. Maybe not hundreds. There's 100-something episodes there. And uh, But the last couple weeks, uh, let's see, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Yeah, we've been We've titled it The Power of Imagination. We've done a couple parts on on that. It's been phenomenal. And then before that, we talked about the eyes of your spirit. And uh, you have been given, uh, inbuilt, designed into your being, spiritual eyes and ears. And so we've been asking this, this question and answering, how do we use, utilize those eyes and ears? How do we see with the eyes of our spirits? Someone might say, uh, with my mind's eye. You know, I just saw it with my mind's eye. Well, well, what is some more language that surrounds that? Well, that's the eye of your spirit. And uh, that's how the Bible talks about we do not look into those things that are seen, which are, but, but unto the things which are unseen. Well, we ask this question, how do you see unseen things? Well, your imagination is what is designed to help uh, you to construct or conceptualize or visualize unseen things or things that are not seen to the natural eye. And uh, so we want to dig into that. We, we want to get a little bit deeper uh, into that because there is uh, some phenomenal things um, uh, on this topic. All right, so let's go a little bit further. And today I want to talk about obstructions to seeing in the spirit. Obstructions to seeing in the spirit. Just like there is... Uh, things that can damage your natural eyes, um, things that can blur your natural vision, things that can obstruct your natural vision. There are things that can obstruct seeing into the spirit realm or obstruct the eyes of your understanding or obstruct the eyes of your spirit or even confuse the imagination. 
And so let's talk a little bit uh, about that because God wants you to see. Um, he wants you to see. He gave you a seeing eye and a hearing ear. That's a, a verse in Proverbs, and it's not referring to the natural eyes and ears. Everybody is born with natural eyes and ears. Of course, there is a strategy of the enemy to blind even natural eyes and natural ears, but I don't think that's what the Lord's referring to when he said the seeing eye and the hearing ear, that they are gifts from him. He's, he's talking about your spiritual senses. Uh, if you could see your spirit, man, it looks, it looks, looks like you. Uh, just like that verse that says that the spirit of the Lord fills all in all, your spirit fills up your entire body. And so there is a spiritual reality, a spiritual set of senses, just like there is natural. Your body it, uh, is limited uh, to only picking up incoming data, insight. Its senses are tuned only to the natural realm. The Bible warns about that. And, and he says that don't be sensual. He's not necessarily referring to sexual, although they can be included, but he's saying sensual is being enraptured with the natural things, using your natural senses to become enraptured or to become lustful. Remember the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, to be enraptured with all things natural. Well, you use your natural senses to be enraptured with natural things. Well, you have spiritual senses because he said that he was a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, you have to utilize your spiritual senses to be enraptured with him in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Now, for most most people, uh, we don't segment this, and I don't mean the segment it uh, to, the, to the point where people get confused, but we're drawing attention to certain aspects of our being. You are a three-part being, and one-third of you, if you're born again, is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Then there's a soul part of you, and then there's the body part of you. The Bible says that the body and your spirit, the flesh and your spirit, that they work against one another. So we don't want to give any any undue uh, attention to the things of the flesh that are just lusting after nat- uh, natural things, which can blind us to spiritual things. I don't know about you, friend, but I want to be completely aware and interactive with the reality of the spiritual realm. Now, if you're coming in to this podcast, I'm making some um, assumptions. Uh, Number one, I'm assuming that you believe that there is a spiritual realm. Okay, if you don't, this podcast probably isn't for you. Although, stay tuned because I think uh, uh, a lot of the stuff that we present is very convincing. But um, I'm I'm, I'm assuming that you uh, already believe in the spiritual reality. You believe in angels. Uh, you believe in demons in the sense of you believe they exist. You believe there's a heaven and a hell. You believe there's a uh, uh, a heavenly place. There's a city. There are places in the spirit. Um, but yet for a lot of people, all that is unseen. But the Bible uh, really gives us this, this picture of desiring that the eyes of our understanding or the eyes of our spirit would be enlightened, that we would have uh, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge uh, of him. Uh, that we would know certain things spiritually, hallelujah, that our eyes would be able to lock on to unseen things to the natural, but yet totally visible in the spirit. That's where we're going, hallelujah. And so let's, let's get there. So if it's possible, which it is, to see spiritually, to utilize the eyes of your spirit, to have your spiritual senses enlightened, uh, what are 
obstacles or obstructions or hindrances to those being developed. Remember in Revelation chapter 3. In fact, let's just turn there. Revelation chapter 3. And uh, the, ver- the, the Lord has ministered this uh, verse to me several times over the years. And even again recently. And uh, really brought out some truth that pertain to me specifically, but I think it will apply to you as well. Notice what he says here. He says, this is Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. I counsel you. Hallelujah. We're getting Holy Ghost counsel right here. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed so that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And watch this. And anoint your eyes. So he's counseling us. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Now, while this could be uh, referring to, because we know the character of the Lord, this could be referring to your natural eyes, that if you're having trouble seeing, you got cataracts, you got some sort of vision problem, uh, maybe you're legally blind, as they say, or you're totally blind. Uh, Maybe there was some damage done to your physical eyes at birth or an accident or something. Uh, there's a guy that I know that he was cutting uh, trees, limbs up one uh, one day. He didn't realize that this limb was tucked behind this other limb. And when he cut it with his chainsaw, it freed that limb. And it swung back and hit him in the eye. And literally, it took his eye out. He's He's got a fake eye now. But he's believing God for healing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, other, other testimonies. Um, I was just listening to a testimony the other day of a boy that had had an accident and lost his eye and they put in a glass eye, but the Lord did a supernatural miracle and he was able to see through that glass eye. Now that's supernatural. And I think the Lord did that as a sign and a wonder. And uh, they had all these medical doctors, you know, do all these tests and all this kind of stuff. Well, it's been confirmed. You can look it up. It's, it's, there's historical data on it. Uh, it was during, um, some AA Allen meetings, but, uh, do your own research, but you can, you can look up that story. But here was a supernatural phenomenon, a sign and a wonder of somebody seeing through a glass eye. So it could be referring to physical healing. And we totally believe that God wants you healed. Um, if you've got something going on in your physical body, there's healing provision for that it was part of the atonement. But I think that that's not necessarily the ultimate context in which that's referring to. He's saying the eyes of your spirit that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would see, see what? See the thing that he invited you to see. It's unseen to the natural, but with the eyes of the spirit, it is totally visible. Hallelujah. And so he says, ISAB, I counsel of you for ISAB. So if you're like me, there are things that over the years, um, bad decisions, Sin. We're going to cover this, but things that have obscured or obstructed my ability to see into the spirit realm. So let's go over some of these things. Number one, and you know these aren't necessarily in any particular order, uh, but if you're taking notes, then we'll just number them for uh, order's sake here. But number one obstruction to seeing in the spirit is unconfessed sin sin that is unconfessed. Now, listen, if you're not even born again, uh, man, you need to get totally 
born again. You are uh, spiritually dead. You are uh, missing out on a, an amazing provision. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will come in. He will cause your spirit to be reborn and you will be a new creation that has never even existed before. By the way, what that is, is you become the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the temple of the Lord. Hallelujah. But if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're not even there yet, friends. So you need to accept Jesus today. You need to call on him as Lord and Savior. You need to uh, acknowledge that you are lost without him and that you need him in your life. And the Holy Spirit will cause you to be born again. If you are born again, then what we're referring to here is things that you've done uh, in the body that have hindered your spirit, man. Things, actions, activities done in the body that have worked against your born-again uh, mission, assignment, uh, new life in him. Um, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day, and uh, they said that, uh, well, you know, when Jesus died on the cross and you received the forgiveness of sins, that took care of it forever. Well, the provision for the cleansing uh, and the washing of the word and the cleansing by the blood of Jesus is a provision uh, while we're still in this body. Yes, but you have to keep that provision current. People think that it's a one and done. Like, hey, uh, I'm born again, and so apparently there's nothing I can do that uh, would stain or um, defile this new body, my new relationship in him, my position with him. But I'm telling you, without doing a, a, just a complete Bible study on it right now, because it's not the direction I want to go with this podcast, but you have to keep your relationship current. First John says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Come on, if we confess them. And so he's not talking about just that one time. He's talking about any time we are lured or tempted by the devil. Uh, see, this is what this is what sin tries to do. It, it tries to bring a reproach on the holiness that you are. When you were born again, you were a new type of holiness that had never existed. But what the devil's trying, trying, trying to do is lure you down out of that place, that holy place, and get mud and just garbage on on you to stain you, to defile you. It's an act, it's an act of defilement against the Father, against his bride, and against his body. Listen, no matter what the catalyst is, drugs, sex, alcohol, whatever, whatever your temptation is, that's just catalytic. That's not the end game. Addiction isn't necessarily the end game. It's to get that trophy of his grace, that holy image, that righteousness in him to throw mud on it. That's the, that's the craziness that people don't recognize is they have to come down from a exalted place in him seated at the right hand. You, you've got to step down from that royal priesthood and wallow in the mud. The Bible says, though, that if, if you do that, man, if you'll be quick to confess that, judge it as sin. He says, you'll judge yourself. You won't be judged with the rest of the world. Okay, how can you be judged with the rest of the world if you're not a part of it? So he's, he's referring to somebody who's been born again, 
you're no longer of the world anymore. But if you get lured down out of your place and allow him to shame and defile you by engaging in activities, Paul said, that shouldn't even be named among us, then you have to confess that and you've got to get that cleansed. He's faithful though, and he's just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is an ongoing um, consideration. Uh, people think, you know, and this is where the idea of greasy grace, well, you know, he forgave me once and, and they're flippant. Um, their attitude is irreverent towards the holy things of God when you think like, 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 like that. Now, what we need to say is that he's faithful and just if you confess it. But he, this is what he says. This is what he'll say. He'll say, don't, don't do that again. Stay out of that. I delivered you from that. Why would you go back like a dog returning to his vomit? Why would you go back to that when I delivered you from it? He's faithful and just to pick us up. And when we confess it as sin, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us. And he's faithful to cleanse us from unrighteousness. But he'll say, don't come down out of that high place and waller in mud and shame and filth and defilement. I delivered you from that, friend. Hallelujah. So unconfessed sin, what does it do? It hinders you. Um, you know, if you've ever put on a pair of goggles, you know, if you got a go-kart, we have go-karts and, you know, ATVs and stuff. And sometimes it's fun to just go through the mud. Well, you put goggles on and you just run right into a bunch of mud and it splashes up and it gets on your goggles and you try and just wipe it off. What does that do? Well, you get the bulk of it off, but Sometimes unconfessed sin is like a, 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 a cloudiness. It, it's like mud over your eyes. You can't see clearly. And without the cleansing and the washing of the water of the word and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, sometimes that stays there. And we're trying to see spiritual things with nastiness uh, in our imagination. We're trying to see holy things with filth in our heart. That doesn't work, friends. Let me give you some scripture. Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 17. Somebody's saying, well, I need Bible for that. Uh, well, listen, if you think that you can do whatever you want and not have a relationship with the Heavenly Father where you're acknowledging when you have gone back into something you've been delivered from, you have a skewed perspective of grace. By the way, it's not even grace, really. I think you're confusing mercy with grace. Grace is an empowerment, a supernatural empowerment to be a thing. Mercy, hallelujah, mercy is when he sent Jesus to the cross in your place. Friend, that's mercy. <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, but there's this idea of this greasy grace. They don't call it greasy grace. That's what other people call it. That's what I'm saying it, it, it is. But, it, but it's a very uh, twisted, irreverent, um, it is a uh, dishonorable way to approach the person who died on the cross for you to think and to have such a, such a flippant attitude that you can just dibble-dabble in whatever you want and there's it's no big deal. There's no consequences. It doesn't hinder or harm you or obstruct you or diminish you in any way to still continue to play patty cake with the thing that he delivered you from. The death penalty. Like, you didn't die on the cross Jesus did, but it was substitutionary, okay? 
And the thing that you can dibble dabble in the thing that hung him there on, on the cross, friend, that's deception, brother. Uh, that is straight up deception. And uh, people have this attitude about holiness uh, and they treat it with such contempt. But guess what? You, you, you are a thousand miles away from being holy if you have that kind of attitude. Holiness is precious. It means to be separate, to be set apart. And uh, the price that Jesus paid to redeem you, he bought holiness for you, separation for you. Listen, there's not a bunch of nastiness sitting at the right hand of, of the Father in him along with you. Okay, that addiction that he bought you out of, it, there's no seat in the heavenlies for that addiction. That should be a sign to you right there you need to leave that stuff behind you. That's dead man stuff. And you're alive now. You are sitting in a throne with the Lord of Lords. You are not going to have your little perverted pets there. You understand? You need to get that aspect of grace corrected biblically. And thank God for his continued mercy that he says, listen, anytime you're tempted, lured by the devil to get into something, then uh, come to me is what he says. Let's have a relationship where you're honest about it. You, you come to me. You say, look, I messed up, and I judge that as sin. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You said that if I would confess it, you would forgive me and cleanse me from unrighteousness and wash me with the water of the word, and the blood would make me white and clean again. Hallelujah, friends. Oh, we thank Jesus for that. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 17. Because you have sinned against the Lord... I will make you grope around like the blind. There, there we go, friends. Scripture number one. What is an obstruction to seeing in the spirit? Um, well, sin. Hallelujah. Sinning against the Lord. It obstructs your spiritual vision. Listen, you want to see the Lord. What does the Bible say about seeing the Lord? The what? The pure in heart will see the Lord. You got a bunch of garbage going on inside of your heart. Hatred bitterness, unforgiveness, sinful, lust, you are not going to see the Lord. The Bible makes that very clear. Now, maybe you're happy with that. Um, the reality is that people that have this skewed uh, ideology or doctrine of grace really love sinning more than they love being holy. That I, you know, <laughs> There it is, okay? You love playing with the pigs and filth more than you do taking your place in the heavenlies, uh, being separate. Hallelujah. You know, what, what kings and priests do, or let me say it like, like this, what others do, kings and priests of the Most High don't. What others do, kings and priests of the Most High don't. Why? Because we're holy. We're separate. We're consecrated. We're sanctified. We're set apart. We're to be different from the world. He said, come out from among them. Come out from among them. If you're doing the same stuff as the people who have not been redeemed, you have a skewed, very skewed, very deceived biblical picture of what mercy, grace, salvation, redemption really means. Hallelujah. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Whenever a person turns 
in repentance to the Lord, watch this, the veil is stripped off and taken away. What is a veil? A veil uh, hides, a veil obstructs, a veil limits vision. So he's saying, listen, when a person turns in repentance, guess what? That veil is removed. Sin is like a veil. Sin will obstruct your ability to see spiritual things. Now, you got to ask yourself, what do I want to see? What do I want to see? Well, do you want to see angels? I mean, I know that's kind of (gasps) taboo. No, don't say that out loud. Um, Well, I'd like to see angels. And I have, I've, I've seen angels, uh, three, three, four, four, four times now. And it's amazing. Hallelujah. Um, there is no scriptural benefit to being blind spiritually. And, uh, you know, um, there is no, um, scripture that, uh, says that there is, um, let me see. How do I say that? Um, there is no scripture that says being able to see is a hindrance. Hallelujah. In fact, it, the admonition in the scripture would be the other way around, that having awareness of the reality of the spiritual realm actually substantiates the word. Having your eyes open. I mean, the Ephesians prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, 17, 18, 19, that we, we would have that the Father of glory would give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Hallelujah. Having our the eyes of our spirit opened only substantiates what we believe about the scriptures. And people say, you know, they use this, argu- this argument. Well, you know what? The Bible says, blessed are they who haven't seen and yet still believe. Yes, yes, we believe first. But to have it substantiated with your spiritual eyes and ears being opened. Oh, doesn't diminish your belief. It strengthens it actually. Hallelujah. It will strengthen it. All right. Number two. So number one, obstruction to seeing in the spirit is unconfessed sin. Number two, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness can obstruct your spiritual sight. It can obstruct your spiritual hearing. It can obstruct your spiritual senses. Let me give you some scripture. Mark 11, 25. You know, a lot of people quote Mark 11, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Powerful scriptures. I quote them all the time, but I also include verse 25 in that. Here's what it says. And whenever you stand praying, do you ever pray? This verse says, whenever you pray, check inside. This, this is how important this is. This is how powerful unforgiveness is on that side. But then you can see how powerful forgiveness is on the other side. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Listen, friends, this is written to believers here. Again, it goes up, goes back to what I was talking about. Keep your relationship with him current. Unforgiveness can breach relationship. Unforgiveness can blind you spiritually deafen you spiritually. Unforgiveness will dull your spiritual senses. So he says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may also forgive you. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, 
neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Oh man, how powerful is this verse? All right, Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Verse 27 goes on to say of Luke chapter six, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Verse 28 says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Here's what I'm saying. There is no provision in the scripture to hang on or to hold unforgiveness against some somebody else. It doesn't matter what they do to you. It does not matter what they do to you. It is a scheme of the enemy to get you to become bitter or to hold something against them, unforgiveness against them. The enemy knows that if you do that, you're just hindering yourself. And one of the things that you're hindering is your ability to see in the spirit realm. Your spiritual senses will become dull it's like you become deaf and blind, or you'll or you'll see very little. Uh, remember that guy that was blind, and Jesus prayed for him. Remember, Jesus prayed for this guy twice, and the first time Jesus prayed for him, he said, "Wow!" You know, he was excited. He was beginning to see, and he sees, and he said he saw men, but it looked like trees. What is that? Well, that's vision, but it's not clarity. It's being able to see, but you can't see clearly. There's a lot of believers that that's the level of your spiritual sight. It's like you really can't dial in. You don't see clearly in your mind's eye, even in your imagination, even if you were intentionally trying to see, you just can't quite form a clear image. I'm just telling you that's the result. There's an obstruction uh, that is hindering your spiritual eyes. That's why you can't see clearly. You know, other people are seeing angels and it seems like they have such vivid imagination. It's like their eyes spiritually are so keen and aware. Their discernment, the discerning of spirits has been so developed. It's like they're seeing uh, spiritual activity as if or to the same degree you're seeing things in the natural. I'm saying, I'm telling you, and I've been saying this for several weeks now, that you are to see just as clear spiritually as you do naturally, because that's the dominant realm. That's the eternal realm. Second Corinthians 4.18, while we do look, while we do not look to the things which are seen because those things are temporary, we look to the unseen because the unseen realm is the eternal realm. Right there is a verse, there's several, that is admonishing us to utilize our spiritual senses to see eternal things. These things are fading away. Listen, this is, this is not the end all. All this stuff that we see naturally is temporary. All this is fading. It's, it's diminished. Uh, it's a derivative. And, a, and unfortunately, because of uh, sin, how sin has, has affected it, it's a degrading reflection of eternal things. He's saying, we don't look to these things. Now, you are obviously vividly aware of the natural realm. But I'm telling you that the Bible is admonishing you to press in there, desire for, ask for, 
and develop your spiritual senses to where that realm is just as vividly real as this natural realm. It's a higher realm. It's a more authoritative realm. It is the eternal realm. None of that stuff is fading. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Um, But there's obstructions. So unconfessed sin, that will blur your spiritual vision, if not obstruct it altogether. Uh, Unforgiveness will blur your spiritual senses, if not obstruct it altogether. All right? And then let's go on to the next one, a hard heart. A hard heart will obstruct your spiritual vision, your spiritual hearing, your spiritual senses. John chapter 12, verse uh, 40 in the Amplified, it says this, he has blinded their eyes and hardened and numbed or calloused and degenerated their hearts. Oh man, he has made their minds dull to keep them from seeing with their eyes and understanding with their hearts and minds and repenting and turning to me to heal them. Notice what is happening here. Uh, This is similar to that verse in Romans where he says that uh, he's turned them over to their own desires. Well, God will work with someone uh, to a point, and then it's like they don't want God to work with them. I mean, some may even flat out and say, God, leave me alone. Uh, And so there is this um, place where he will turn somebody over, meaning he'll say, well, if that's what you want. You know, people blame God and kind of the way John 12 is worded here, it kind of looks like God is ultimately in control. Now, God is judge, meaning everything, absolutely everything comes before him, but he weighs people's hearts. And so he isn't arbitrarily uh, hardening someone's heart. What he's doing is he's saying, this is in their heart. They've hardened their heart. He's just making accurate judgment concerning where their heart is, where the motive of their heart is. So, uh, but notice the connection here to blinded eyes and a dullness of mind, or we really need to say this, a dullness of imagination. Listen, if you're struggling in your imagination, you need to go back and listen to the last two podcasts because I talk about the power of imagination. But if, but if you're struggling in your imagination, it could be you are dull you're not sharp or keen. And that's because you've diminished the imagination. You've connected it only with new age, or you've connected it only with something like, you know, uh, weird or, or off or evil or devilish. You haven't connected it scripturally. And so you've dishonored it. Um, but I'm telling you that even if you haven't utilized your imagination intentionally, you've been using your imagination But if you don't uh, harness that ability, there's a good chance, even accidentally or unknowingly or inadvertently, that you've yielded portions of your imagination to the enemy. Listen, there's no gray areas. You can't turn your imagination off and say, you know what? Here's my imagination, like my phone here. Here's my imagination. I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to set it on the shelf and it won't be used for anything. That's impossible, friend. Your imagination is working for you 24-7. You may not be cognitive, meaning it may be happening in the sleep state while you are asleep. But listen, your your spirit doesn't sleep. Your spirit does not sleep like your physical body sleeps. Your inner man 
is working on something. And if you've packed or stacked your imagination with things that you didn't, you don't need to be looking at things. You don't need to be hearing. If you've seeded the seedbed of your imagination with catalytic things of darkness, your imagination is working on those things. I'm saying you need to fill it up with something that's going to produce the reality of God in your life. There is no, um, there is no ability to have an imagination and use it only when you feel comfortable using it. You are using it 24 seven. I'm just encouraging you to intentionally use it to conceive, to visualize, conceptualize and meditate and construct the Hebrew word Yetzer, it means uh, framework. Your, your imagination is literally building something. It's constructing, conceiving a framework. Your imagination builds a paradigm. Your imagination constructs strongholds, whether they be positive or the enemy utilizes them, like depression or some sort of addiction that is dark evil. It it drains you of life. Your imagination is either going to work for the Lord or work for the devil. You're either going to utilize your imagination for the lust of the flesh, or you're going to utilize your uh, imagination to see the unseen things that are eternal. So listen, maybe you have um, dishonored or you have associated the imagination with something evil. Uh, You need to change your mind about that friend. This is the renewing of your mind. You need to agree with the word. And over the last several weeks, uh, I've been ministering on this uh, probably eight, nine, ten different times. Uh, We have said uh, so many different things, so many scriptures to substantiate and support the use of the imagination as a God-designed, inbuilt tool. It's a tool for you to use. Uh, but maybe it's become dull. Maybe you've been hardened. Maybe you think the imagination is just for children. Maybe the imagination is for people that you think are Looney Tunes, right? Maybe you think the imagination is for insane people. No, no, no. Uh, You are using your imagination all the time. Just harness it, direct it, yield it to the Lord, submit it to the Father. What did he say in Romans? chapter 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is pleasing and acceptable unto him. He built your imagination. You need to submit it to him. You need to offer your imagination as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Say, Lord, here's my imagination. And rather than the enemy taking advantage of me and utilizing my imagination to devise evil things, to uh, prophesy my future. Listen, so many people, you, you know, you have a vision and image of yourself in the future. Does it line up with the word or who has usurped your imagination? You say, well, I didn't use my, uh, my imagination to see the future. Yes, you did. Because the future is not seen with your natural eyes. It is only seen with the eyes of your spirit or the eye of your mind, your mind's eye, or your imagination. All those work together in connection, in conjunction. And so you say, well, 
I didn't use my imagination to see my gruesome, slow, decaying death. Yes, you did. So I'm saying if the word of the Lord has not been catalytic in the use of your imagination, you have been somewhere in your imagination. You didn't need to be. You need to come out of that. You need to repent of that, of using that powerful tool to envision and chart a course into the future without the Lord. You've been into the future without him. And so who have you been working with then? You have worked with predictions of demons then, or you, you, you have totally worked. You've worked with the pain in your body to chart your course rather than the word of the Lord to chart your future. You have used a natural circumstance to dictate or to overlay into the future. You are envisioning a time that hasn't even happened yet. And you're using something degraded or sin ridden or defiled in some way in your natural, uh, reality and you've overlaid it, implied it, you've conceived it, built a framework of that still being in your future. You've used your imagination, friend. So don't use your imagination to construct something that does not have the seed of the word in it, that is not derived because of the vision of the word, or the Lord hasn't revealed something to you. The Bible says that only the Lord knows the future. So if you're envisioning the future without his input, you are envisioning something that is falling short of his vision for you. And you use your imagination to do that. All right. So maybe one reason why you're not seeing clearly, you're not having spiritual experiences like you thought the Bible says you should. It's because you have a hard heart. You're not allowing the word to create images for you. You're not allowing the word, you know, some, I mean, some people get mad. They get upset. They're offended. They are offended. They said, I read in the word that this should be happening. And that never happens to me. Have you envisioned it? Have you conceived it? Have you put yourself in the story? Have you taken the catalyst of the word? Let's say you're all messed up. You know, let's say you're all offended because, you know, all these people had, you know, heavenly encounters, messengers from heaven sent to them to help them and assist them. You read right there that even the angels are assigned to you. And you're like, I've, I, I, I don't even know. I mean, I read it, but I, well, have you taken the word and meditated on it? The word meditate from Joshua, one of the most famous passages of scripture dealing with meditation. We're not talking about new age meditation. We're not talking about chai, not chai tea. <laughs> We're not talking about these powers and this and mind this and mind that. Those are twisted, twist, twist, wicked, twist. Wicked comes from the word where we get uh, wicker furniture. It's twisted. It's perverted, friend. They're utilizing their imagination to work with demons. I'm not suggesting that, but because of your uh, hardness, you're not allowing the word, though, to give you the catalyst for your imagination. They're allowing demons to give them catalysts for their imagination. You're to get yours from the word. That's why the Bible uses the word meditate. The devil has tried to usurp that. He tried to steal that. He's tried to pervert that and twist it for his own purposes. But 
the word translated meditate in Joshua chapter one, verse, verse eight, you shall meditate on the word day and night. You shall keep it in your eyes and in your ears. It's translated imagination in other places. We're to take the word and put it into our imagination and begin to visualize how that impacts our life and how our lives become transformed because the word is transforming us. So you take the word on healing, allow it to transform you. Where? In your imagination. Meditate on it. See it transforming you. See yourself being healed. See that disease being pulled out of your body. See an angel bringing you a new body part. Somebody's, you know, what I started to say is people are all, all, all upset because we see these provisions of angels. And, but I've never seen an angel. I've never seen an angel. Well, have you ever tried to envision one? Well, I don't know what they look like. Well, the Bible gives you enough. The Bible has enough seed to form, come on, an image of an angel. It gives you everything you need to meditate on to see an angel. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> you say, Justin, it's not that simple. Well, listen, you're, you might be hard-hearted. You might be hard, hard-hearted. What, what did Jesus say? Man, you got to be like a child, the faith of a child. My kids see angels all the time. They also see other things. Why is that? Because they're not hard-hearted. They, 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 they hear something of the word and their meditation, the meditation of their heart comes alive. They hear the word, the implanted word. It does something in the soul. Isn't that what James, the book of James says? That the implanted word, what does it do? It brings something to the soul. Well, well okay, hallelujah. It should cause you to come alive with vision. His word giveth light. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, We, I mean, here's, here's the clearest way I think I could explain or say another way what I'm trying to tell you. Habakkuk said this. He said, I will set myself on the rampart, which is a safe place. It's a quiet place. It's a protected place. I will set myself on the rampart and I will watch to see what he says. The word produces vision. Get in all the places where it talks about angels and meditate on them. And you know what? Clarity is going to come to the eye of your spirit. His word implanted into your soul. Come on, his word getting down into your heart. His word becomes the seedbed of your imagination. His word literally brings revelation. What is that? It is a revealing. His word removes the veil. Where do you see? You see, come on, in or with the eyes of your spirit that utilizes your imagination. It's all, it's all connected. It's all part of the uh, design. Hallelujah. All right, now let me give you another verse about a hard heart. Matthew 12, 15 through 16. For the hearts of his people have grown dull. The hearts of his people have grown dull. Another translation says they've become hardened. Their ears are hard of hearing. 
Now, well, let me f- finish reading this. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Now, he's not talking about uh, their natural eyes and ears. I don't know about you. I know a lot of people that their hearts are hard. They've, you know, through offense, unforgiveness, dude, they are hard-hearted. But guess what? They can see me when I walk up to them, and they can hear me when I talk to them. I know that because they're responding to me, and sometimes it's pretty nasty because they're hard-hearted. And I represent the thing that they're offended at. And uh, Jesus. And so, listen, we're not talking about hard-hearted people don't suddenly go naturally blind. Hard-hearted people don't start walking around with a seeing eye dog. Hard-hearted people don't suddenly become deaf or have to have ear uh, uh, hearing aids or, you know, even in, uh, implants into their skull to help them hear. No. What dolls? their spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. All right, now let's go on to the next one. We've got a couple minutes left in the podcast. What else is an obstruction to seeing in the spirit, hearing in the spirit? What's an obstruction to your spiritual senses? Um, Entertaining yourself with things that would be considered sinful. This will hinder you or obstruct you spiritually. Entertaining now, this, this is big. This is big, big, big. I'm probably going to uh, make some people uncomfortable. I might even just straight up offend you. I'm not trying to, um, so don't shoot the messenger. But this, this is huge because the entertainment industry is massive. I mean, if you were to be honest and we were to take an inventory of your time, entertainment probably is the lion's share of your off time. Meaning, uh, you know, you're at work eight hours a day or whatever. So, you know, that, that, that takes up a pretty good chunk of your week. But in your own free time, most people spend the majority of their free time in entertaining themselves. Now, entertainment itself may or may not be bad, but you have to really be watchful because it could be a negative thing. Let me give you some scripture. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, use your imagination on these things or towards these things. Remember, we're talking about obstructions to seeing in the spirit realm entertaining yourself with things that should be considered sinful. I'm not saying entertainment itself is bad, but definitely if you're entertaining yourself with things that would normally under a uh, objective perspective would be considered sinful. Listen, you are going to jab your spiritual eyes out. You're going to deafen your ears. Things watched with the eyes that are corrupt will blind you spiritually. Matthew 5, 28 says this, but I say to you that everyone who so much as looks at a woman with evil desire for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Listen, you got to be watchful. These are traps, friends. These are strategies of the enemy to keep you dull or ignorant or blinded altogether to the reality of the spiritual realm. Matthew 6, 22 through 23, it says, the lamp of the body is the eye. 
If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Whatever you put your eyes on, if you're putting your eyes on the light, it's what's, what's it doing? It's going to illuminate your entire being. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What's he saying? If you put your eyes on things of the darkness, it's going to affect you, friend. He says, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Some people you have just fed on and fed on and feasted on and looked upon and listened to things that have been of, 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 of the dark, sinful things, dirty things, filthy things, defiling things, and it has diminished your ability to move with the Lord in spiritual things. Listen, those are things of, of the light. It doesn't mean that you won't encounter demons or whatever, but when you begin to move in the spirit working for him, maybe through translation, translocation, maybe uh, through a prayer assignment, intercession, uh, where he moves you into the spirit realm and you're seeing um, somebody or a situation and you begin to pray. Those are precious things. Those are, whole, those are holy things. But if you stay over here in the things of filth, it's going to diminish your ability to be used of the Lord in those ways. Matthew 5, 29 says this, if your right eye serves as a trap to ensnare you, or is an occasion for you to stumble and sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be cast into hell. This is a strong verse. Oh, man. I mean, I don't know if it gets any stronger. Hallelujah. That is strong. What's he saying? Um, you got to watch because there's defilement that can happen by looking upon things that and entertaining yourself. Listen, you're, you're going to see things. Uh, for example, Jesus uh, was brought a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Now, there's a bunch of men trying to set Jesus up. They were trying to trap him. But the reality is they caught this woman in the act, threw her down before Jesus and the whole crowd. Um, she probably wasn't fully clothed. Jesus was aware of the situation, but he didn't go into the realm of his imagination and take advantage of the situation. He didn't allow the situation to become a catalyst for sin. You, you understand what I'm saying? We are aware of different things. We are aware of sin's activities, but we're not looking upon them or engaging or interacting with them as a form of entertainment. Totally different. Totally different. But notice what Jesus did. He looked down to the ground. He honored the woman in her nakedness. He didn't shame her by taking advantage of the of this setup. No matter what this no matter what the sin is. It's like, oh no, somebody's doing drugs. I can't look. I can't look. No. You're not engaging. You're 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 not connecting yourself in the situation. You are there to bring deliverance and to bring light into the situation. You're going to be aware of situations. Uh, but, but, but the difference is you're not joining in either physically or in the realm of the imagination. Both can be judgeable. You say, but I never, but, I ne but, but in your heart you did. I never touched her, but in your heart you did. I never, you know, I never did that drug. But, but you were lusting over it in your heart. Those imaginations are judgeable. 
Hallelujah. You want to keep your uh, imagination working with him. You want to utilize your imagination that can be judged as an act of obedience and righteousness. Now, this in particularly happens in worship and in intercession. There may be other areas, but those are at least the two big ones that I'm thinking of now. That the utilization of your imagination is judged as obedience and righteousness as working with him, especially when he brings up the face of somebody. You've never seen that person. Maybe you have. Maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't. You've never seen them. You don't know who they are, but you're to pray for them. Well, is that just a figment of your imagination? Is that fake? Fantasy? No. That act of obedience, when you put your imagination on that somebody as brought up by the Lord, as inspired by the Lord for prayer, he'll judge that as obedience to him, and you'll be accounted. That will be accounted to you as righteousness. You'll be rewarded for that but they were just in my no they you saw them in the spirit friend it wasn't a figment of your imagination your imagination was used but you saw them in the spirit the imagination is the gateway to the spirit realm this is why you don't want to put your imagination and engage in sin friend you don't you don't want to do that the devil's trying to get you there stay out of there don't go somewhere without the lord hallelujah all right What's, what's this? Psalm 101, 2. Psalm 101, verse, verse 2. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Oh, man. Uh, here's a quote by a friend of mine, Michael Van Vlyman. He said this, do not watch sin as entertainment. Do not watch sin as entertainment. Andrew Womack said this, we are deceived if we think that we can enjoy the ungodliness of this world as entertainment and it not affect us. 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be so deceived and misled. Evil communication corrupts and depraves. You got to be watchful that what the enemy's trying to get you to see, he's trying to get you to set your eyes on something, set your ears on something. He's trying to put implant into the seedbed of your imagination a corrupted communication. And what is the result of that? Well, seeds reproduce after their own kind. A corrupted image will try and produce depravity in your heart. Don't go there, friends. Guard and honor, um, keeping your eyes, make a covenant. Job said in Job 31, verse one, he said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with your ears that, that you're gonna utilize your imagination for holy things, pure things. Hallelujah. Let me leave you with this and then we'll close. Use discernment. Some things are intentionally created to inspire certain things in your imagination that would allow for the enemy to put up veils, obstructions, blockages, etc., in your spirit. Some, sometimes these might be, quote, really good movies that only have just a little bit of defilement in them. You need to ask yourself, is a little bit of defilement okay? Is a little bit of blockage worth this moment of entertainment if it would keep me or diminish me in some way or hinder me from seeing in the spirit? How much defilement is, accept, is acceptable? Here's a couple questions to ask yourself. Number one, how much defilement is acceptable? 
Number two, how much am I willing to be defiled? Is it 30% or 15%? Maybe Monday through Friday, maybe 20% defilement is okay. Hey, just ask yourself, come to an, an agreement with the Lord. Maybe he'll compromise or maybe you have to compromise, but come to an agreement with the Lord. Uh, third question, how much am I willing to let my family be defiled? For example, if you're watching certain things, bringing certain things into your home, how much of that do you want to harass your, your children? How much of that do you want their imagination uh, or how, how, how much of that do you want to uh, fill up their imagination with? You know, is it 50% that you're okay with them? Murder, lying, sex, drugs, deceit, uh, blasphemy, taking the Lord's name in vain. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're okay with maybe 35%, maybe, maybe 50% during the holidays, maybe bring it down to like 20%, you know, during like the school year. Ask yourself, how much defilement are you okay with? Do you treasure your eyes and your ability to see spiritually. If you were to trade being able to see spiritually and moving in the spirit for a few moments of watching something sexual, perverted, murderous, evil, haunting, tormenting, etc., how much of that would you trade? See if you can come to an agreement with the Lord that you and him are both pleased with. You know, do you treasure your ears? These are questions uh, rhetorical questions. You don't have to give any answers to me. Don't send me any emails. This is between you and the Lord, but ask yourself a question. Do I really want to see clear or am I okay with being, you know, spiritually blinded or not having clarity when it comes to spiritual things? Hallelujah, friend. And I believe the Lord will help you with that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you for tuning in. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And I want to say, if we can pray with you, that's one way that we can partner with you, friend. How can we agree with you? Maybe maybe there's something that the Lord has put on your heart and you need some prayer agreement, some prayer support. Well, it would be our honor to do, the, uh, to do so. Several ways that you can reach out to us. You can call us, 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. Or there's a prayer request page on our website, gracecitychurch.tv. You can go check that out. Or you can write us a letter. P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Hey, I want to say thank you to all of our partners. You have committed to pray for us. Powerful. James 5.16 says that the fervent prayers of righteous people, it makes power available. I want to say thank you to all of our prayer, prayer partners. We couldn't do it without you. And then those who have included some form of financial support, thank you so much. There's a little bit of cost associated with having this podcast, and people have sent in some funds, and it just helps us. It keeps the podcast going on and on and on. I want to say thank you. We are grateful for your support in that area as well. If you'd like to join those people who have financially contributed, uh, remember all contributions are tax deductible. Several ways that you can do that. You can text to give. If you're in the United States, just text 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give, or you can mail a check as well. Send it to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. All right, friends, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. I'm Justin, and until next time, be blessed.